This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good morning, Equalizer Extra subscribers. It's time for another episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Episode 55 of the Equalizer podcast, and the NWSL season is back on. I'm Dan Lawletter with Chelsea Bush and Claire Watkins, and we've got one week and four matches in the books. We'll run down the scores for you real quick in case you missed them. Courage and Red Stars played to a 1-1 draw. Same score, Rain FC and the Houston Dash, and also 2-0 score lines in wins for Portland over Orlando and the Washington Spirit over Sky Blue FC. That is the first Washington win since May 23rd, and the two goals is as many goals as they scored since their May 27th loss to Houston 3-2. Two goals after that, two goals last night. Chelsea, I know you watched almost every half that was played on the weekend, so why don't you tell us what caught your eye, and we'll roll with that. Um, I think Orlando picked up where they left off, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, you know, frankly, this is, this is going to sound bad, but I have to be honest. That first half, I thought they were kind of lazy. Like, I didn't think they were dropping back way too easily. They weren't attacking the ball. There was no pressure. Um, I think they improved in the second half, and you can kind of see what Skinner wants them to do. But but that really jumped out at me. It was usually with a new coach. You see, I think what you saw in Washington where they came out, they had a lot better body language. They had a lot more energy. Um, I just, I didn't see that to start with, with Orlando. And that's, that's troubling to me for, for their future. Um, but I did, I will say Washington looked a lot more energetic, but someone else who kind of picked up where they left off in a bad way was sky blue. I, Can I, didn't, I can we go back sure. to Orlando for a second? Cause I'm going to sure. slightly, I'm going to slightly disagree with you. I agree. The first half, they were terrible. They didn't close anybody down in space. They did nothing that made it look like they were trying to stop the thorns. But I don't. I actually thought they had good energy in the second half, and I thought the last three or four matches under Sermani last year, they were a walking corpse, and they did not try and had zero energy. And I thought at least the fact that they picked up their energy in the second half is a good sign going forward. Yeah, they did. Whatever they talked about at halftime, I think they made some adjustments. And, and you know, Alex Morgan was denied by the, the crossbar in the post twice. So Morgan was great in that game. Yeah, she really was. She was kind of all over the place. She was really dropping back. And then, of course, Christman Edmonds kind of missed that sitter that Morgan had set up that really yep. should have made it 2-1. Definitely. Probably wouldn't have been enough. Thorns maybe got bored a little bit, too. Maybe a little opening day fatigue slash boredom when it went 2 nothing. Yeah, I think they were – I mean, Orlando was just so bad in the first half. They were they were kind of cruising. I think they shut off a little bit. 
And they didn't have any mangas, which they're about as full strength as you could be because they kind of have too many starting class defenders. But mangas tends to to catch on to those sort of things when they when they fall asleep. Also, the Tobin Heath goal on purpose or not? I I don't think so because mostly either. because of the look on her face, like she was surprised afterwards. I mean, she definitely did. It would obviously was not going to be go in without her catching it and redirecting it. And I think where the ball came in her feet, it was kind of behind her. And she did a really good job to redirect it. But it, 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 she got a little bit of luck. She was falling to the ground. She looked back. She was surprised. I think right. that says that it wasn't quite as, as fancy as something might want to want. I be. think I agree. Because if, if she got it clean, all she had to do was tap it in. It was goal was wide open. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of agree. But it's Tobin Heath, and she tends to kind of make touches like that, so you never know. Her touch, by the way, on the assist was fabulous, where she just kind of trapped the ball and left it there for um, Ford. Yeah, I think I think Tobin had a great game overall. Um, I think Caitlin Ford had a great game overall, and I think we're seeing finally really the best of Caitlin Ford, which you didn't really get to see last season. And obviously, she's in a different role than she was ever with Sky Blue. All right, so you can make that transition to Sky Blue. I'll let you two run with that because that's the game that has evaded me so far. Yeah, um, like I said earlier, I think Washington had a lot of energy, a lot of good positive energy, um, good passing for the most part. Uh, Sky Blue was just, they were Sky Blue. They they were disorganized. I didn't didn't think their formation was particularly strong in the sense that they just kind of let all their shape go. So it's hard to tell really what we're going to see from from Washington. And Laura Lindsay said it several times on the broadcast is, why didn't Sky Blue come out of the gate with pressure? Because that back line of Washington is super young and super inexperienced. And they should have been all over that. And they just, they let them have it. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the Washington Sky Blue game on, a, on, on, uh, on replay after watching the North Carolina-Chicago game live. And I was struck by um, obviously the highest paced game of, of, of the, the weekend was was the North Carolina Chicago one but um, very I mean generously considered that game to be very methodical um, no pressure on the ball whatsoever really from either team um, so it was hard to judge yes Washington looked good but they weren't challenged at all Um they had comprehensive ideas, but I don't think they really had to deal with any adversity in trying them. Uh, I thought the midfield looked strong. I thought the back line looked really young still, um, even though it looked like Sky Blue didn't have any ideas up front. So it was very hard to tell. Uh, yes, I think Washington looked better in that the Washington Spirit team that we saw last year looked completely out of ideas. And that's not what we saw from the Spirit yesterday. They had a plan that they wanted to implement, but they were playing against the worst team in the league, so it's really hard to tell how successful they're going to be doing that um, going forward. I thought Caprice Didasco, uh, out of everybody, showed uh, some life for Sky Blue. I think she really tried to make some plays. I thought Carly Lloyd uh, had some good stuff on set pieces, but did a lot of running into the box and falling down. Um yeah, I don't know. I think Sky Blue looks lost. I, I think they still have the ability to maybe play a little bit better than last year. And I'll be interested to see Washington play against one of last year's top four. 
Yeah, Dodesco, I think she looked good going forward, but she left a lot of space behind her. This is and true. And Washington very much jumped on that as a as a weak point to to exploit. And she got beaten several times. Yeah, you're 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 right. I guess I meant yeah, I did mean more. Which to me also says that maybe the other defenders weren't cheating over enough to cover for her when she went forward. So it could be a combination of of her leaving space, but those rookies not covering for her. Now, I like this as an opening game because it assured us that the two teams who were the worst wouldn't both be 0-1. But are we going to look back at this like we did on the Spirits win last year over Sky Blue, where it was just because it was Sky Blue? Or do we? I think Claire probably answered it by just saying she wants to see them against one of the top four. But did they look like a team that could actually challenge? I mean, that back, back line, again, I didn't see a second of this game. I had heard what you guys had just said, that Sky Blue didn't put any pressure on the back line, but it's hard for me to believe that back line can hold up. I think they yeah, look... I th- oh, go ahead, Chelsea. I, I think that, as Claire said, it, it, if a team comes out and pressures them, and, and like like Portland, I think, would be all over this Washington team, picking off passes, disrupting. I, I think they were just allowed to do what they wanted to do. So yeah, especially I, on the outside. I saw like uh, there was a run that Jordan DiBiase made going forward that I thought to myself, wow, if she tried to do that against one of the top outside backs in this league, she'd get blown up. Um, They look like good college players. It looks like a team. They look talented, but they look talented in such a a rookie way. I don't, I don't know. And isn't that what Portland, isn't that what Portland did to Orlando? They had Joanna Boyles and as a center back and Portland pressed them. And I don't think Orlando got the ball across midfield in the first 20 minutes of that game. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, so but Washington will, looks good, but it's hard to tell. I will say it's, it's at least good to see them enjoy playing soccer again because they didn't have any of that much last year at all. And, and you could just tell they didn't even want to be there. So it's a good step to see them enjoying themselves, to see them go out with a plan and not just scramble the entire time. I just don't know that it's going to be enough to move them um, from the bottom half of the table to the top. I just think there's a talent gap there. And hopefully just getting that uh, winless streak off their backs can help them. Because when you don't win from May to the September, and then you come out, if you lose a couple, it can, it can make for a long season. If Sky Blue comes home and loses to Houston, that could make for, you know, I don't want to say they're going to go 23 in a row again, but snowball can uh, build up pretty quickly. Yeah, psychologically, it definitely looked like for Sky Blue, despite... Um, theoretically, said Amanda Duffy again. <laughs> yeah, she's calling. I think it is. Uh, it's Denise Reddy <laughs> asking why we're saying such things about her team. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, Sky Blue psychologically it looked like as the game went on um, to them, it started to really feel like another loss, um, which is too bad. You, the early stages of the season are going to be very important for them to think differently and and feel differently, um, because as we all know, not all losses are the same. And they have to believe that they can play with these other teams. Otherwise, they're really going to be in trouble. All right, real quick. Well, you know, I, go ahead. No, finish that up, Chelsea. I was going to say, I, I was watching that game, as you declare, on, on a replay. And I saw something that I hadn't seen tweeted was when Carly Lloyd hit a very early shot off the crossbar. I thought to myself, man, if that had gone in and they actually, Sky Blue takes a lead and Washington, as young as they are, has to come from behind, could have been a whole different game. You're totally right, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right, quick, and then we'll take it back to soccer. Sky Blue made off-the-field news on Tuesday night when they parted ways with their general manager, 
Tony Novo, as is the case almost always now in sports, it, it was worded as a mutual parting of the ways, but it's fairly clear that Tony Novo was dismissed as the general manager. Um, a lot of people affiliate, well, I know that the Cloud9 people were ecstatic, and a lot of other people, season ticket holders, some of them didn't renew, and I know a lot of them re-upped in the time since Novo was dismissed on Tuesday night. The timing is beyond awkward. Um, you know, the release came from a PR firm that was apparently hired by the governor's office. That's Phil Murphy, who's the co-owner of the team. His wife is now more hands-on, but hasn't been available to the media so far. Um, do we, you know, we don't usually talk about general managers getting let go, but, you know, another step in some direction for Sky Blue, I don't know if it's the right direction, the wrong direction, or just in a big circle. It feels odd. I'll be there Saturday, and I'll be interested to see what the vibe is for their home opener. Well, you know, Novo try, likes to talk a lot about, like, perception. So we'll take it from the perception angle, and that is that this is a good look. Right or wrong, he was taking the fall for all the crap that had happened or was not happening, depending on the exact circumstances. And so I just think from a PR standpoint, and, and it just it looks better. Cloud9 was unhappy. This gets them back. And I, on their corner, you have to think the players – have to blame somebody and they're probably kind of happy about this i think for them to turn the corner this this always was going to have to happen yeah the perception thing reminds me of the bill lynch situation in washington after the national anthem bit you know you can say whatever you want about bill lynch and it may or may not have been true but at that time enough people believed it that it may it may as well have been true and they weren't doing anything exactly. to disprove it right yeah uh, I mean, that's everything when you're a public figure yeah i think I, I am interested in the timing. Obviously, it seemed like Sky Blue was ready just to stick with Novo for this season. Um, and that was obviously kind of everything we'd heard throughout the offseason. Um, obviously, the ownership has has gotten more involved. I don't know if this was reflected in that decision or if there were other factors at play. Um, little things, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have to be clear that I don't, have any inside info on what's happening at sky blue but you know it was floated out there that uh raquel rodriguez wanted out but she obviously is still with the team and still playing for them um i don't know i think it's a really interesting situation where it's hard to gauge at this moment obviously things have improved there are tangible differences to this year than than last year um but i think we still don't know actually if the players feel more supported. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think probably we're not going to see a change of the on-field product quickly. No. And, and no matter who the general manager is, there are many issues to that organization that are nobody's fault other than where they play and, you know, the market that they're in or right. kind of like the middle market that doesn't even exist. It seems like either something happened or someone in upper management ownership finally said, oh, look at all these things. Maybe we should make a change. Or even I wonder if their season ticket numbers were down. You know, I, I think you have to look. I mean, surprised. you know, that's the sort of thing where um, you can deal with a lot. But if you're really just looking at the dedicated fans who have always come back, if they're not coming back, maybe you have to make a big kind of splashy change like that. Well, we'll see what happens Saturday night against the Dash. 
And we'll get back to talking soccer on the other side. This is episode 55 of the Equalizer Podcast. Episode 55, Equalizer Podcast, Segment 2. And before we get going with Segment 2, a reminder to please rate and review the Equalizer Podcast. Good ratings, good reviews, equal more exciting Equalizer Podcast content that we can uh, send your way. Hope you enjoyed all the previews from last week. Dan Loletta with Chelsea Bush and Claire Watkins. And Claire, uh, jersey reveal party today, uh, but no players wearing the jerseys. How was it? <laughs> it was good. Yeah, uh, we persevered. We got a significant amount of snow today in Chicago, which is unfortunate for a number of reasons. Uh, but one of them being that it delayed the team getting back from North Carolina this morning, so they weren't able to make the the kit launch. But no, it was it was really good actually, and and I personally think that um, the jersey that Chicago came out with as their home kit this year is really, really interesting and cool. And, um, and, and open up, it opens up a larger discussion. I mean, this was the year I think of the customized kits. I think that was what everyone was saying was that that was an option for every club. Um, not all of them, you know, I think, uh, took that option, but it was at least available to them. And, uh, I think Chicago did a great job with this one. It's super localized. Uh, the design is very cool. Uh, but yeah, no, we, uh, <laughs> due to the weather, uh, the team wasn't there. Uh, Casey Short was there uh, because she didn't travel as, as she was listed out on the injury report. Um, but yeah, I, I love this kind of stuff. I think more customization, more eventizing of uh, these kinds of opportunities is, is good. It's good for the team. It's good for the league. And it's fun, which is what all of this should be. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, totally agree. Now, the Red Stars uh, were in North Carolina Saturday night, 1-1 draw, and afterwards they were talking about how they played the low block and they wanted to kind of gut it out against the courage, and it was great that they were able to get a 1-1 draw, and I don't doubt that was the tactic, but come on, aren't they better than that? And I don't think, and and if they think they're going to beat the courage like that in a game that matters in September, October, I think they're sadly mistaken I think I half agree with that. I uh, I think it's very in line with the way Chicago has treated a lot of early games in past years to um, say, this is our home opener. We've got some people banged up a little bit. Um, let's go and do a low block. Let's gut out a point, steal, maybe steal three if we can. Um, almost really legitimately They really stole almost three did. Two. They almost really stole three. Um, and... That, I mean, that's Rory Dames all the way, right? That's what he does. He's very practical when it comes to this stuff. He's pretty conservative when it comes to injuries. Um, if someone's not feeling 100%, he usually doesn't have them go. And I think, um, I would say at least half of that game, it looked like Chicago had a plan. Is it troubling that after they conceded, they decided to just desperately defend for the point. Yeah. I mean, they should want more from themselves, but I think, I don't know. It was interesting. I don't think North Carolina, in a weird way, I don't think North Carolina played very well. 
they the the finishing was all over the place the shots versus shots on goal ratio was really terrible for them which is normal but it was worse than usual i don't think it was the finishing though i don't think they took very many good shots right the shot i think you're right i think the shot the 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 shot choice was pretty poor and right because um, the Three, you know, they scored the goal, and then Harris right. made a great save on Urseg, and then the one on Lynn Williams, which right. still not sure if it was going in. But other than that, I don't think they had shots where you say, "Oh wow, that should have been a goal." It was a lot of stuff. Nair, buddy. Nair, yeah, not Harris, but um, oh, sorry. But Nair. yeah, it was a lot of stuff wow. way over the crossbar um, or outside. Um, I also think, and this is maybe something that that I kind of popped into my head while I was watching it. I think part of the reason Chicago plays North Carolina so well um, is because they're not above some true low block defending, um, just throwing bodies in the box. But I also think that the way that North Carolina shoots actually plays to Nair's strengths. Um, they don't force her off her line a ton. Well, that's uh, Nair. That's Boston Nair right there. Right, exactly. I think the way North Carolina attacks works super into – Nayer's wheelhouse. She's an incredible shot stopper. And if if North Carolina is going to send shots from the top of the box or is going to try to get some real close body-to-body headers, Nayer will do that all day. And so I think to a certain extent that was also probably part of Chicago's strategy in just if they can make sure North Carolina attacks in a couple very specific ways, I think they think they can deal with that. The thing that's frustrating is – the ideas, the ideas were there in the midfield, but I think the ball and the pass accuracy was quite poor um, from Chicago, and uh, they didn't have a ton going forward. But the but the fact is that when they got the one great pass, they were able to open it up, and Kerr got that opening goal. So I thought it was interesting as a tactic. I don't always I get frustrated with Chicago's mentality against top teams. Now on that. Uh, 90 something minute off the crossbar from Kerr. How did that not go in? Because I think it was Urseg. It was. Was yeah. going toward the ball. And it was like n- there was no way she wasn't going to inadvertently chest it in. And she somehow like pirouetted around the ball. It was very and weird. And it went the other way. Yeah. And, and it was, the, this was actually, I mean, we can bring this into maybe the larger criticism of the streams, uh, no replays. So it was really hard to tell. Um, it certainly looked to me like it was not a goal, but I'm not convinced it didn't hit Urseg's arm on the way out or roll off of it. Um, not necessarily something I would call a handball. I don't know. I couldn't see. It was obviously not a great you know, shot on the stream, so I couldn't tell for sure. Um, it was a very weird soccer moment, absolutely. But I would say that it didn't look like – it didn't look like Chicago's was. It didn't look like Chicago was protesting it a ton. So whatever no, happened seemed in the realm of possibility. And I'll just add, in case you everyone doesn't know, I was part of that stream, and I I can tell you there were some technical issues with the replays. I would not expect that to be a regular occurrence. But yeah, there were a few that you know we would have liked to have seen again. That one for sure. Yeah. Can we? Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Can we go back to, you know, we were talking about North Carolina not taking particularly great shots. I I think that North Carolina has two speeds, right? They have zero when the ball is out of play, and then they have, like, 60. (laughs) And I I just think it's kind of caught it catches up to them in the final third where they're just – they're so eager to take that shot. 
It's fast, 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 press, press, press. You don't really see them do a whole lot of patient buildup, a whole lot of, you know, hold up play, recycle the ball, let me try this again. That, that's just not their style. And so I think that style lends itself to maybe taking some poor shots just because they see an inch of an opening. They, I think they're told to take it. I think the one play that I think illustrates your point was Dunn beat Stanton in midfield. And Stanton was like grabbing, like almost like trying to take a yellow card, but Dunn was just gone. And then Dunn decided to take a real lazy shot instead of either looking for a teammate or maybe trying to hold the ball up a little bit. So I think that's an excellent yeah, like, point. Yeah, I just think sometimes they just kind of get ahead of themselves and need to maybe that's the next evolution of North Carolina courage is to slow down when the game calls for it. Yeah. No, I, oh, I, no, no, go, go, go. The one other thing I would say is I don't think it's a, it's it's uh, it's random that their equalizer did come off a quick restart. That's their thing. Um quick throw-ins, quick kicks, like they have scored multiple goals off of these quick restarts. And it'll be fascinating Absolutely. to see if that's something that teams eventually learn to adjust to. Well, and how poor, like were their, the... how poor were their restarts when they thought about them? Right. Yeah. Oh God. Are you talking about that free kick? <laughs> yeah. When they had like oh, four of them back there and yeah. it went wide and they took one it off the ref, ref right? It took the ref. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought their set pieces were actually particularly poor this match. I didn't really care for the short corners and, and all that. But, yeah, and then that, that one, the equalizer, I mean, I don't think half the Red Stars even were aware that it was back in play. Like It, it was, was that fast. Strange. It was, yeah, it was quick. But they they do that. That's that's what they do. Um, the, rain, no, the rain do that, too. There are a couple teams in the NWSL who are really good at those quick restarts in the attacking third, um, and it's definitely an advantage. And let's also note here, they just are now 12 in a row unbeaten in the regular season. After they lost to Utah, and before that, they were 12 unbeaten. If you include the playoffs in the ICC, they're 16 unbeaten. That's what the Reign have for the league record in 2014. So we are nitpicking. Yeah. When we're talking about their lack of finishing. A uh, little bit of history. Uh, I, Dan, I think you know this as you were on the stream. The Red Stars goal was the first time North Carolina's been scored on in a home opener. That's right. It's been the Dabinia show for yeah. the last two. That's right. Uh, Where we was she, about... actually? That's a question that I have. Where was uh, Dabinia? Well, you got to, I guess not everybody can can be a factor in every game. O'Reilly didn't dress either. Which yeah, is... right. Interesting. Now, you mentioned the rain, so let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously, they gave up two points right at the end because Jody Taylor won a PK in stoppage time. I thought it was the right call every day of the week, and then Campbell made up for the foul by saving it. Um, I didn't see a lot of this game, but my sense is uh, Spencer and Oyster both left with injuries, which looked like they might be more than just little knocks, so we'll wait and see about that. Uh, but my takeaway from watching it was the dash looked like they have a lot more bite to them. Like they're playing with a lot, a little, little bit more uh, excitement and energy in the midfield, not afraid to muck it up a little bit. Yeah, I thought Schmidt had a really good game. And I think she, she brings something that helps their midfield, which I kind of thought has been their problem child for a while. But the, the flip side to having that energy, that attacking energy, is I do think that they're, they're still very vulnerable to, to being caught in transition. And I think we, we saw that. Um, you know, Shea Groom unleashed Jody Taylor real quickly, and then you know they equalized. Yeah, I mean, I, I to be completely honest, I didn't see any of this game because I was at I was at the kit launch. But um, I think there's a lot about the dash that reminds me of the Chicago Red Stars maybe a couple years ago, 
um, in that they have a lot of players who, even if you necessarily think that their skill ceiling might not be as high as others, they've got a certain amount of tenacity to them, um, and they understand how to defend in this league while also having some real pace up top. Um, and if Clarkson is able to tap into that to really kind of optimize the skill sets that he has in front of him, I think they could have a really successful year. Yeah, and talking about the mood around the spirit being better, it certainly seems like the mood around the Houston Dash is a heck of a lot better after the Randy Waldrum and Vera Powell years. It seems like Clarkson's got his finger on the pulse of that team much better than his predecessors. Yeah, yeah I think everything I've heard out of Houston uh, at, you know, supports that, and I think what you saw that on the field, um, they, were, they were moving very fast. They had a lot of, of good ideas, a lot of very, very quick passing, which I think lends itself well to their very fast and athletic style of players they have. Um, I thought Rachel Daly was good. I thought Michelle Prince was really good. They, there's a lot of speed on that team and a lot of energy, and I think he's found a way to kind of exploit that in, in a system that works well with the type of players he has. Daly got hurt, too. Hopefully just to bruise, you could actually see the mark. Yeah, that looks rough. Yeah, it it does. Again, I I only heard about it, but it does seem like Spencer's injury might be very serious. Yeah, it was it was non-contact from my my understanding. It um, I didn't see that half, Um, but yeah, anything any knee injury that's on contact that's that's rough. Yeah, um, I mean my only my uh, my only rain commentary is obviously that would be a huge blow for their World Cup, you know break if if she's not available this year um but also i think it's um not a surprise that darian jenkins got um got the equalizer for that she looks good uh, from the little bits that i saw great for them in preseason i think that she is going to be a huge part of of their plan and i like that a lot the team already said left knee for spencer but no further details just said it's the left knee and i keep saying that they're the only playoff team from last year that had a center back pairing that are both going to be around during the World Cup in Oyster and Lauren Barnes. So if Oyster is going to be out for a little while, then that blows up that idea. Yeah, well, they could be Barnes and McNabb. Which is not terrible, but I'm a I'm a pretty big Oyster fan. I think yeah, Oyster I, should yeah. run the Oyster's best 11. Oyster's very good, yeah. I think I like McNabb and midfield a little bit better anyway. All right, that is segment two of the Equalizer podcast. We've touched a little bit on all four games from the weekend. We'll come back with your questions after this. Third and final segment of the 55th episode, can you believe that, of the Equalizer podcast. Dan with Chelsea and Claire recapping week one. We'll go to some questions in a moment. That Jody Taylor PK miss, or I guess the Jane Campbell save, was the fifth time in the history of the NWSL that there's been a chance to change the result of a game with a penalty in the 90th minute or stoppage time that has failed. And it's a pretty good list of other players that have done it. Kelly O'Hara, Heather O'Reilly, Marta, and then the wild card is Sam Kerr. That was in the four-goal game when she hit the crossbar in stoppage time when it was 4-4, four, four, 
And then before the rain ever touched the ball again, Kerr got on the end of a header and scored anyway, her fourth of the night, very famous game, 5-4 win, but she still missed the stoppage time PK. All right, a couple of questions. Um, let's save the attendance one for the end, I think, because that could be an interesting discussion. Ted Williams, who's uh, been nice enough to have me on his radio show in St. Louis a few times. I was impressed by the combo of Ford and Heath in Orlando today. Any other offensive combos catch your eye in week one? P.S. I had little or no problems with streaming matches via my Yahoo on my Android phone or laptop. Um, first of all, the combos, um, nothing stood out to me as anything new. Um, I thought Jenkins was real good for Seattle. I don't know that I noticed her and anybody in particular, but um, what about you, Chelsea? Um, obviously, Nagasato and Kerr, I think, is one. Um, and then Crystal Dunn and basically anyone she gets around, pretty good. <laughs> Claire, anything else to add there? Um, yeah, no. I think it, it was it was a lot of we saw it, we saw a lot of teams kind of pick up where they left off, which meant, yeah, similar things that we've seen before. Let me throw out this wild card, though. I thought that Alyssa Moss did a really good job helping to contain Hinkle on the yeah. Courage Ooh. left side. Actually, I do have Absolutely. one. Absolutely. I do have one. Um, connections. I thought that Alyssa Nair's distribution this weekend was quite good for the most part. Um, that... Well, she started to play at the end. Exactly. She did. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, that's the main one that sticks out in my head is she had a dead ball. She sent that in, and that was what sent Chicago off to the races. And obviously we saw what she did um, uh, for the national team recently. So I, uh, I, I think that it looks like she's really been working on that part of her game um, and we'll see how things play out, but that looks significantly improved to me. So maybe if we're talking about connections, when Alyssa Nayers got the ball at her feet, it could be much improved. She did have her one obligatory goal kick that just went out of bounds without yep. touching anything or anybody. But other than that, I, I'm in agreement with you there. All right. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this name. I'm still disappointed Nike not provide all teams with new kits. I think Claire touched on this. The teams had the options. Some took them, some didn't. Giovanna Bimbom was Courage draw a surprising result. I don't know that we can really say that there's a surprising result when two playoff teams meet on opening day. Um, same person after the, initial, after the initial defeat. Can we hope for the best What this season for Orlando? I think the time had some... Good moments in the game, but Mark Skinner will have a lot of work. Um, I think the question basically is, what is the ceiling for the Pride this year? Uh, if he can, I think if he can figure out how to get Morgan and Marta in space instead of surrounded by defenders, that's the key. But like you said, Claire, they've got to be. Um, this might have been while we were off air that you said this, but they've got to be able to, you know, chance opening it up and giving up some on the other end. Yeah. And Harris, you know, you said about Nayer, Harris's best game yeah, is, yeah. you know, the transition, let me dive all over the place and stop shots. Yeah, um, yeah, they've just got to connect more. Um, I think the answer for Orlando, as, of, as true last year, true this year, um, I think we need to see the stars and the league players start playing together better. Yeah, well, one thing I did think is the courage and the Red Stars – 
you could tell, even though I didn't think the Red Stars played particularly well, you could tell that those teams in the Thorns, too, those are teams that did need a lot of time. They just needed to kind of, you know, say hello again and get used to each other again. So many teams are totally revamping things. Those three teams, not even a little bit. Yeah. Right. No, definitely. I think obviously I, I, uh, the conversation of chemistry is one that is perhaps overrated um, in women's soccer. But uh, the stasis of the offseason with these top teams indicates that they feel really good about the group that they have. And I agree. I think you could see you could see who maybe has seen more game time internationally recently um, versus, you know, people who have had a long offseason. But um, yeah. Don't need a lot of time. Leanza Hunt, and this one is going directly to you, Claire, or at least anybody who's not me. But fun question, after all the kit drops, which 2019 kit is your favorite? I mean, it's Chicago's. It's so good. <laughs> Chelsea, is this, uh, any, is this an area that you delve into? Yeah, um, I think Chicago's appeals more to people who are from Chicago, but it looks nice nonetheless. I like Orlando's, but I think mostly because those are some of my favorite colors. Uh, everyone else is just kind of in between, except for Houston's. It's terrible. Here's what I think. I think um, that there is, I think people overrate the idea of subtlety or detailing in these kits a lot of the time. And I love the teams that went for it, which I mean primarily Chicago and Portland. And you can feel good or bad about it, but we need more, you know, more Hail Marys, I think, visually, um, especially because we've talked a lot about, you know, a lot of these teams have similar color sets. Uh, we complain about Nike templates. I think if you're given the opportunity to do a custom kit, you got to go for it. And so that's where I really like what both Chicago and Portland did, where they kind they tried to own um, – the history of their visual design and come up with something new and interesting. But and I think it would mean more Jersey sales. But why do the thorns always come up with this away kit that looks like they took a couple of bed sheets and threw a logo on it? Like their home kit is always so nice. Then their away kit is just white with the logo. Like it's the bare minimum it just on the looks road. Sweaty. <laughs> I mean, their away kit last year looked much worse than the one they have this year. Well, yeah, I'm see, not I, the kit guy, so yeah, I'm on the opposite the side. As, I'm on the opposite side as Claire. I don't. I think the details are nice again for people who know what it means and for those local fans. And if you're going to buy one, but what, I, 95% of us are going to just watch it on the stream, and you can't really see those details. I'm. I tend to be, and this is probably just me in general, much more of a more simplistic yeah, design but person. Who are kits for if not for the fans? Well, that's true. I'm just saying for the ones who are going to buy it, who are going to see it up close, I think it's, it's great. Or for, like I said, if you're from there and you know what these little details mean, you know, FC Dallas puts stars on theirs, even though they haven't won an MLS championship. It's not for that. It's for, it's a Texas thing. So I, I get it, but it's just not a, it's a personal preference thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's great. I think that uh, that kind of engagement is we complain a lot about the lack of it um, nationally. So I think that kind of local stuff is incredibly important. And I think I'll it's tell you this, any, anytime there's a Jeopardy question about city flags, I always get the Chicago one, thanks to the Red Stars. Yeah, well, Makes we've got the best easy. one, Dan. So. Um, Le Leanza also says, did your opinion of any team player change 
after this first weekend. I think we've covered that for the most part, but I think that's a good question to hit on two or three weeks down the road when we get a little bit more um, from the teams and the players. But let's finish with our favorite two topics. Um, first of all, the streams. Uh, this is something that I won't talk too much about because I'm part of it, but you two are not um, expected to be held back just because of that. So was there any problem with access or anything else? Um, I had like good, I had good and bad experiences this weekend. Um, I have a Roku in my house, which, uh, Yahoo was, um, very adaptable to. I just downloaded the Yahoo app. The games were right there. That was great for live streaming. Um, I think it sounds like based on streaming competitors that Chromecast and, um, fire tv are not supported which if you care about streaming or you know tech companies it makes sense but if you're just trying to watch the game it's a lot harder so i think some people had a very easy time depending on what device they already had in their home and some people had a really tough time and were penalized for whatever you know they had set up which is not new in in soccer in general i think you see that a lot on the men's side as well in the u.s um, where teams make deals with providers and fans have to scramble. Um, the replay issue was a bummer, and I know they're working on that. Um, uh, Jen Cooper tweeted out today that Yahoo is, is figuring out how to get instant replays. But um, You're talking about replays after the game. Yes, and not right, the right, right. I mean, the replays, yeah, in, in yes, North the Carolina. replays of full games. Yeah. No, or, Orlando had replays today, I think. So they're, they're working yeah, on that. Yeah, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the archiving and streaming of, of completed games is still ongoing, which right. is disappointing only in just, to a certain extent, these, you know, you talk about it's the Oath property, which is the Verizon property that was switched over from Go90, which is now defunct, to Yahoo. They really could have had this figured out by this weekend. But, um, you know, they're working on it, so I guess we'll see. Chelsea, yay, nay, no comment. Um, in the middle, I I was one of those that had to kind of jump through some hoops to be able to watch this on a decent size screen because you know a tablet or even a laptop doesn't really lend itself well to being able to analyze a game very well because there's are tiny little ants. Um, so yeah, the quality was fine. Um, the North Carolina. Chicago and then the Washington Sky Blue streams did kind of switch momentarily the, before the before kickoff for about I don't know 30 seconds before switching back and that caused some issues um, and I still think it, it could be a little bit easier to find um, on the Yahoo website but you know it's we're kind of used to, to jumping through hoops with Go90 so it is what it is um, I thought that all the analysis was very good. The Houston and Seattle game did, did have the NWSL debut of Casey White, former U.S. national teamer and Atlanta Beat player. And Sky there. Blue FC champion in 2009. Oh, well, excuse me. Sky Blue FC champion in 2009. And interim captain the next year when Christy then Rampone was pregnant. Any other tidbits you want to? No, that's it. Although apparently uh, I just saw on Twitter she ran like a 31-mile race on Saturday and did the game on Sunday. So that that's not a bad weekend work. Terrible. Well, let's just say that's not, what, of bad. that's not what I did with my second day of the Abs weekend. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, I thought that the, uh, 
play-by-play struggled a little bit. A lot of people saying offsides, which is a personal pet peeve of mine. Um, some some new players like uh, Abby Bledsoe that I didn't know teams had signed. Something, you know, Kaylin Sheridan, her second season, which is her third. So little mistakes like that that are, I realize are being nitpicky to an extent, but also is very simple and should should be they should be getting the names right. So again, like like streaming has been since day one, it's a mixed bag for me. Doesn't Aubrey Bledsoe have a twin in real life? She does. I don't think her name is Abby, though. You remember this Tom Sermani clip? Yes. The, <laughs> yes. When uh, Bledsoe, if you didn't see it, I don't know, it might be on YouTube somewhere. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. Bledsoe had a busted foot, and they sent out her twin sister and made it, they put her in the uniform, and they, she said, look, I'm all better. And she was running around, and Sermani had no idea that she even had a twin sister, and he was getting all flustered about why, why she's running around when she's got a broken foot. Very funny video. All right, we got like a minute to go. Um, I, maybe we should table the attendance numbers here. Orlando, actually, we just found out got a pretty sizable number. Dash are trying to rally. The Spirit, we're kind of right in the middle. Yeah, the Courage number was a little disappointing. That was supposed to be Armageddon Part 2 at kickoff, and the, everything cleared out, and it was actually a nice night, but there was a lot of talk about... Um, it was rain during the day, and there was a lot of talk about delays and poor field conditions. Um, I think yeah, they could, you could have asked for more coming out of the long offseason and not getting that playoff game. But let's not be alarmist. Let's just remember that the league average is going to be down considerably until the Thorns play. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this before we started, but um, 5,000 really is the magic number. So if you're within 1,000 of that on either side, I think you're you're doing okay to start out. Should we- Courage have a Wednesday yeah. game. It's always a tough sell game, too, especially on a Wednesday. Yep. Also, to remember that depending on how stadiums are set up, uh, sometimes people will, will tend to sit on one side versus the other to avoid the sun, or sometimes that's just where they sell the, the seats, or sometimes if they're in the larger stadiums, tend to look empty even what, if they have a good number. So appearances aren't always what they seem when it comes to attendance. All right. Uh, week one in the books, 55th episode of the podcast in the books. Amazing how quickly and easily we do these things when there's actual games to talk about. But we'll talk to you next week. This has been episode 55 of the Equalizer podcast. Thank you for listening to the Equalizer podcast. Views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Equalizer Soccer. We thank you for listening and hope to see you next time.